Welcome to Wisdom and the Word Podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Wisdom and the Word. We're glad that you're joining us today for our study in the book of Hebrews. Today, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter number four, and we're going to begin in verses verse 11 down through verse number 13, Hebrews 4, 11 to 13. Now, last week in our study, we looked at Hebrews 4, 1 to 10, and we said that you got to follow the recipe. And the recipe that's given to us here in the beginning part of chapter four is that that this faith that we this faith that we have, um, it, you'll notice that the word must be mixed with faith in order for it to be profitable. That is, there was a word that was preached and a word that was given, but they did not believe the word that was given. And as a result, they were sentenced to wandering in the the promise in the uh, wilderness for forty years because of their unbelief. And so the issue here is revolving around rest. It's revolving around getting into the rest of God. And the way that we enter into the rest of God is through faith. That is, we must believe the word that has been spoken. Oftentimes we think that their disobedience involved this thing and that thing, but primarily their issue was they didn't believe what God had said. And so now as we pick up in verse 11, down through verse number 13, he's going to pick up with, with one final exhortation, and he's going to give us some instruction on how to enter into that rest. You'll notice in verse number 11 of our text, Hebrews 4 and verse number 11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, as he opens here in verse number 11, he gives us that, that same um, that same exhortation, that same warning, it's an issue of the same warning of verse number f- of chapter four, verse one. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Similar warning here in verse number 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. That is <clears throat> what God wants us to do even in this day is to continue on in our faith, to continue on in our belief, to believe him, to believe what he said, to trust him and to trust his word. Now, this has been the theme really from the very beginning. You remember at in Hebrews chapter number one, he tells us that God in sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets as in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So all of this is about all this is really about listening. It's about heeding what's been said. Um, you go on in verse number uh, two of chapter two, Hebrews two, two, for if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, okay, how shall we escape? Verse number three, listen to the word, listen to the word. And so what you find here is this, this recurrent theme of the fact that the Jewish people have a history 
of not listening. Now, while presenting to us that Christ is better, while presenting to us that Christ is above and Christ is greater, he's greater than Moses, he's greater than the angels, we've seen those comparisons already. We're also getting this theme of this kind of sub-theme of be careful not to abandon that which you know is right or believe the truth, uh, have faith and trust and confidence in God. Now, in this particular text, Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 11, down to verse number 13, I've entitled this particular text, A Cut Above, A Cut Above, because that's really what he's saying. He says, I want you to be a cut above the generation that uh, that came in the wilderness. I want you to be a cut above them. Uh, he says, don't fall into the same pattern that they fell into a pattern of unbelief, but then, you know, kind of a play on words here. He's going to talk about a sword, which brings the cutting into our lives. Uh, he's going to talk about the sword that makes the difference and why we should have confidence in this word. And so let's look here at verses 11, 12, and 13, talk a little bit about a cut above. I want you to notice with me, in verse number 11, I want you to see first off a diligent pursuit, a diligent pursuit. You'll notice it with me in verse number 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. First off, I want to I want to be very clear and I want to really address something, because if you're not careful, you'll read verse number 11 and you'll think that he's talking about some sort of work or some sort of works based salvation or entering into God's rest through labor because the word labor is is there used. But again, the concept of 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 being a being laboring here is is being diligent, of being earnest of chasing after. That is, let's earnestly go after it. He's not really talking about the matter of of working and laboring for it. He's simply saying, make it a priority. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into. And what's he talking about? Let us enter into that rest. Now, remember, there's a rest. Remember, Jesus promised us rest in uh, Matthew chapter number 11. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay, so rest is found in Jesus. Rest is found in Christ. Ultimately, there's a rest that's still coming to the people of God. We know that uh, one day we will cease from our labors like God ceased from his. Again, in chapter um, four, earlier on, he compares this with creation. And he said, God worked and God labored, and then God ceased from his labor. And this is the same. This is the example. The example is um, we will work and we will labor in this world, but there will be a day when we will cease from our work and we will cease from our labor and we will enter into God's rest. It's obviously picturing some sort of heavenly rest and some sort of future rest that is yet to come. So there is a present rest that can be found uh, in Christ. There's a prospective rest that uh, can be found, uh, of course, in heaven when we see the Lord. But you'll notice in verse number 11, the, the point here is a diligent pursuit, a diligent pursuit. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let, let's make it a priority. Let's not let it fall. Okay, lest any man, notice he said, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And again, what's that example? The children of Israel, when they had the opportunity to believe God, that God was able to lead them into the promised land, they did not believe. And they could not. The Bible says at the end of chapter three, verse 19, that the reason why they could not enter in because uh, was because of unbelief. They could, they did not believe. And God, as a result of their lack of faith, because 
because the word that he had spoken was not mixed with faith in them. As a result of that failure to make that right recipe, God said, you're not going to enter into my rest. You're not going to enter into the promised land that I've prepared for you. And again, I believe God has, when we talk about rest, God has, if we'll believe him, God has multiple periods of rest for us. Uh, I think that, you know, just as God had the promised land for them, just as Jesus promised rest, but we know there's a future rest. I think God, God gives us periods of rest. I don't think it's just generally one. Listen, if you believe the word of God, God will give rest to your heart, rest to your soul, rest to your labors. Uh, there's a lot of times when you can be comforted by that. So the example here is don't fall after the same example. Don't follow after them. Don't buy, buy in. Uh, do not be careful. Continue. And again, the concept here is of steadfastness and faith. Be steadfast in your faith. You know, those who are, can, you must believe. You must continue to believe. Don't fall away. No, don't return back to your old way of living. You know, God will give rest to those who will be faithful and, and those who are will have faith and believe and trust him and follow him. So he gives us this, this concept of diligent pursuit, okay, that is make it a priority, make it make an effort, okay, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example, the example of the Israelites of unbelief. But then he moves on into verse number 12, which will be kind of the focus of our study today. And he talks about a divine piercing, a divine piercing. So he moves from a diligent pursuit to a divine piercing. And what is this divine piercing that takes place? Okay, so let's stop and let's think about the context of what's been happening. God spoke to them and told them that they were well able. God spoke to them and told them, I will... I will fight for you. I will fight with you. The giants, they're nothing. The people, they're nothing. We can overcome. We can have victory. There is no reason why you cannot have victory uh, in this manner. So ultimately, what ends up happening there in this particular text is that the writer returns to the word of God because what was the problem of unbelief? They refused to believe the word that God had spoken. And because they refused to believe the word that God had spoken, he returns to the, the efficacy, the ability, the, the inward working of the word of God. There's something about the word of God when you read it. Now, this is both true of the written word. It's also true of the spoken word of God. It's true of the word that was spoken to the people by the prophets. Uh, it's 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 true. And you'll notice what he says here in verse number 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. This is not the only time in the Bible where the Bible compares itself to a sword. In fact, in Ephesians chapter number six, we, we find in that passage that the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Um, in fact, in the book of Revelation, when we see uh, God, Christ judging out of his mouth proceeds a two-edged sword. That is the words that come out of his mouth, these words that he has, um, as they come out of his mouth, they are a two-edged sword. And so this is talking about the divinity of the word of God, that the Bible is 
more than just an ordinary book. The Bible is, is not just an ordinary book. It's an extraordinary book. It's not a natural book. It's a supernatural book. When we talk about it being inspired, we're not talking about it being inspired like a, a poem or like being inspired like a song. We're talking about it being inspired as in being breathed by God. It is the very breath of God and it is can, it is written down for us here in these in this passage. And that's the reason why God took it so seriously that they did not believe him. God's word is his covenant. God, when he swears, when he makes a promise, he doesn't make a promise on anything else. He makes a promise, and we're going to see this later on in the book of Hebrews, he promises on himself. That is, when God makes a promise, he's making a promise on the basis of his own character. He's making a promise based on, on, his, on his, own, his own ability. And so, you know, we talk about the word of God, it's so important. We believe it because it's a reflection of who he is. And you fail to believe the word, you've failed to believe God. You have failed to believe God. And God takes that very seriously. So the people, we see that the Israelites, they didn't believe the word that was spoken to them, but we must believe what has been said to us. So let's not, let's not fall into their same trap. Let's not have happened to us what happened to them, right? Let's make sure that we are following the word of God, that we are listening to the word of God, and we don't fall into this pattern of unbelief where, where there is punishment, where there is where, where, where God is displeased with people because of, of their lack of belief. Notice the, the things that is said about this sword here, okay? Uh, this divine piercing that's take, taking place. And again, we're going to just notice the first thing, which is kind of obvious, and that's even in our main point, that is the word of God is divine. Notice it's divine. Notice it says, for the word of God. It's not just the word, it's the word of God. It's God's word. It came from him. It came from Elohim. It came from Yahweh. Uh, it's his word spoken to us. It's God's word. This is not just some man's fantasy. This is not just some person's um, ability. This is not just uh, somebody speaking off the cuff. Uh, no, no, this is God speaking to us. This is not somebody rambling about uh, a story that they heard or telling us some fable, some fairy tale. No, this is the word of God. It proceeded from God. It is, it is from God. It is his words. And so it is divine. But notice, not only is it divine, according to verse number 12, it's also dynamic. You'll notice what he says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, the concept of quick here is alive. That is, it's dynamic. The word of God is not just a, is not just a book that you just look at and you say, oh, I've heard that story before. No matter how many times you read it, no matter how many times you study it, no matter how many times you allow it to, to you know, pierce your heart, every time that you read it, it will pierce you again and again and again and again. You never exhaust it. It's a living book. You know, people talk about the Constitution of the United States. They talk about it as a living document. Listen, really, truthfully, the Bible is the living word of God. It is dynamic. It is active. It's alive. It produces something. When we believe, Paul would say to uh, the for the Thessalonians uh, in First Thessalonians chapter number two, as he's speaking to them about uh, receiving the word of God, he says, "For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God." Notice he says, "Which effectually worketh worketh also in you that believe." You've got to believe. 
You've got to trust that the word of God is true. That's the profitable mixture. That's the recipe. You've got to believe by faith. And so for the word of God to be active, it, it is active. But again, for it to do what it needs to do, you've got to believe in its dynamic ability. You've got to believe that it's quick and, and quick. And not only is it divine, not only is it dynamic, but notice he says it's dominant. It's dominant. Notice what he says, and powerful, powerful. That is, there's nothing that's going on in your life. And there's nothing that's going on in my life that the word of God cannot overcome. There's nothing that's going on in us that cannot be done. Listen, it's not about how many times you've been through the word of God. It's about how many times the word of God has been through you. Because we don't read the Bible for information. We read the Bible for transformation. You know, the Bible is dominant. It is a dominant theme, the, the redemption of humanity, the redemption of mankind. Christ came to die and to save us, to save us from our sin. This work is the work that uh, is the, what must be declared throughout all of the world. It's not by our works. It's by his work at Calvary that we have been saved and rescued from our sin. This theme, this concept is dominant. The word of God spoken to people's problems can heal, can cure, can help. Only if it's believed. Only if it's followed. Only if there's action on it. Only as we act upon it. Okay, that is, it's quick and powerful. But we've got to believe it. We've got to receive it. That's really in the context here. This is the context is they failed because they failed to believe God's word. But you need to believe God's word because it is this, because it is divine, because it is dynamic, because it is dominant. And notice, not only is it dominant, it is dividing. It is dividing. Look at what he says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. That is, if you had a, a, a knife or you had a, a sword, and uh, oftentimes we think these are the shorter swords that were used by those Roman guards or Roman legions. He's talking about if you had, had that, you can, you can actually, just like a, a, real, a real knife, a real sword can actually cut to, through the, the skin. And notice he says, of the joints and marrow, right? That is, you can, you can cut. Um, you can cut something, uh, you can cut a, um, um, a, an animal. If you were uh, dissecting, you could take that sword and you can cut it off. I mean, that's how we butcher meat, right? And you got to have something that's sharp and it, you can take and you can take that skin right off of the bone as you go down. You can cut off appendages with something that is sharp. It is, it's sharp so that it can divide and so that it can pierce. And the issue here is notice he says, dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That is the, the word of God goes to the very center of us. The word of God is dividing. It actually goes and it, it makes its way into the very depth of our heart. It goes all the way in. It can, it can discern between things that are really indiscernible. Soul and spirit, you would think, oh, who can divide those? Who can, who can discern between where the, the soul end and the spirit begins? I'm going to tell you what can. The word of God can. Things that you would seem seem to be inseparable are, are divided by the word of God because it can go to the very center of your being. And if you've ever heard the word of God and believed the word of God, you know that the word of God, the Bible, can get to the very center of your being. What, what God spoke can get to the very heart of you and impact you in a way that not many other books can, that no other book can. And then lastly, it is discerning. You'll notice what he says 
what he says in verse at the end of verse number 12. He says, and it is as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay. Is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is, who can determine between a thought that takes place and the intentions that take place and the thought that proceeds and why why the why the thing is done, why the action is performed? Well, God can. And the word of God can. The word of God is discerning. Not only does it hit the very center of us, but it can divide in places and discern in places where we did not even think there was a discernible difference. We do not think about a discernible difference between a thought and an intent, but it's definitely, definitely there is a difference. And how, how is that divided the word of God? So the reason why we must receive this divine piercing. We must believe it is because it's necessary for our productivity. It's necessary to help us become what God wants us to become. The failure of the people in the wilderness was that they heard what God said, but they did not believe what God said. They did not believe it. They heard the word, but they did not believe the word. And so it must be coupled. Faith must be coupled with our with, with the word of God in order for it to be profitable in us. And he tells us in verse number 12, verse number 11, be careful of this. In verse 11, a diligent pursuit. But in verse number 12, a divine piercing. If you're going to pursue it, it must you must pursue believing the word that's spoken. And then lastly, in verse number 13, we see a displayed power, a displayed power. You'll notice what he says. He says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. This is a continuation of verse number 12. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. In other words, manifest means to put on display, to make an open show. That is, every creature is on display before God. He sees and he knows everything. The Bible says, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, again, when the word of God sees into you, when the word of God peers in, it's not just the word, it's God looking in. And a lot of times when we read the word, it's God letting us see what he already knows. God letting us see what he already sees. He already sees it, but you may not see it until you receive that piercing that needs to be, that needs to cut to the quick of your heart. So he says in verse number 13, his power is on display. This God that has given us the word of God, the God that promised the children of Israel, they would, they would be able to overcome the giants and be able to win in the promised land. That same God, he says in verse 13, he made all creatures. So there's no creature that's not manifest in his sight. He knows everything and he knows everything that's going on. And he says at the end, but all things are naked. That is, they're, they're, they're exposed. All things are exposed and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, you would think that if God sees all of that and God sees you and God sees me, that we're in a heap of trouble. If God sees you and God sees me and he can see, see inside of me and see inside of you, what hope do we have? If God, if, if the word of God lays bare and shows us our wickedness and God already sees it, what hope do we have? Well, thankfully, as we close out in verses 14 to 16 of this chapter, the Bible is going to tell us how God sees us, especially because of the work of Christ, because of the work of our great high priest. 
And we'll pick up there next week in verse number 14. I hope that you'll join us for next Tuesday. Some of my favorite verses here in all of Hebrews as we're studying here through verses 14 to 16 next week. I want to thank you so much for joining uh, joining me today on this Tuesday edition of Wisdom in the Word. I hope the rest of your day is blessed. I hope that you will join us again on Thursday of this week. If you have questions, please submit them to us as we'll be uh, categorically taking them one at a time, adding them to our list. We've got some great questions lined up for our thoughtful Thursday edition of Wisdom in the Word. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day and God bless. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.